so Dennis, uh, we started talking about a lot of different things happening with the Carolina Hurricanes. Yeah. One of the things that was a talking point a couple years ago when uh, Tony D'Angelo was brought in mm -hmm. originally for the Carolina Hurricanes for that 2021-2022 season was uh, some of his checkered past, right? Yeah. For the last, I think, half of uh, his year with the uh, Rangers 2020-2021, uh, he uh, was not with the team. Basically uh, got kicked of off the team, told to go home. What, yeah, told to told to go home because of an altercation with the teammate. Uh, also, he has a past where he uh, allegedly used a, uh, a racial slur against a former teammate in juniors. Uh, and so when he came here, I, I did an in, uh, interview with a, with a fan who had season tickets uh, for mm -hmm. the Carolina Hurricanes. He said, I'm not, not going to uh, pay for my season tickets this year as long as Tony D'Angelo is here. I can't believe they brought him in, right? And I uh, have not followed up with the fantasy if he got him back after that season, but he definitely didn't support the Carolina Hurricanes in person that year. Um, and so with him coming back, uh, it kind of made me think of the question, at what point do we forgive athletes for their past? Basically, can you uh, separate the art from the artist, yeah. right, Dennis? And so it, what, another thing that made me think about that is, there's people who still listen to R. Kelly. Mm -hmm. R. Kelly is 45 minutes away from us in prison yeah, right yeah. now. And a federal, Could be listening to us for all we know. Yeah, in a federal um, prison. You know, so it's just one of those things. Like, can you separate the art from the artist? And in Tony D'Angelo's case, uh, his history with uh, using a racial slur. I know there's a, this is something that a lot of people wrestle with in terms of not just what we consume in terms of art, entertainment, things along, along those lines, but the products that we buy, the products that we purchase – uh, you know, if some people might dive more into the uh, where these companies stand in terms of the those kinds of things that you mentioned, and or you know, if the leadership of these companies, you know, where do they stand? That kind of stuff. People dive more into that stuff than the others. Well, there's a lot of people out there like, you know what? I really couldn't name a Carolina Hurricanes per, a player. I can name maybe a couple, but they yeah. love watching the team. So again, it, it's it's so much up to the ind individual when it comes to how they want to draw that line for themselves. And obviously the Carolina Hurricanes know his history because they brought him in. And this is something Tony D'Angelo has openly spoken about in terms of, yeah, every NHL team knows what's happened with me. And I've been any team that's ever contacted me, any team's ever brought me in for an interview, whatever it might be, I've been open and honest with them. They all know about it. And if they want to ask me, they can ask me. I'll tell them everything that happened. And if they choose to bring me in or not, that's up to the organizations. But organizations have brought him in. Carolina obviously brought him in, like you mentioned, a couple of seasons ago, and they're willing to bring him back again. By all accounts, in terms of being a teammate within the Carolina Hurricanes, the guys loved him. That doesn't necessarily mean that he's a good person, bad person, whatever it is. That just means he's a good teammate. I'm not saying talk about his character off the ice. But I know the team liked him, and the team really appreciated his work ethic and what he brought on the ice. So the team's okay with it. But, again, this is a decision for us as fans. And I know a lot of fans had to wrestle with it a couple of years ago, and I'm sure a lot of fans are wrestling with it now. Yeah, and honestly, it's something that I'm actually wrestling with myself mm -hmm. because, you know, I didn't like the signing back when it happened the first time back a couple of years ago and I actually wrote about it, wrote a column about it on WROSportsFan.com. And, uh, you know, not to, you know, read the entire article – but part of what I was saying, I went back in my history and I used a real example for my life where I was called the N-word. Mm 
Mm -hmm. uh, by a kid growing up. And I, and I asked the question, if the kid who called me the N word, um, when we were growing up, he's my age right now. Like I'm 37. He's around 37, 38. He's somewhere around this age, right? He got in trouble for it kind of, but did he learn from that incident in the fact of like, Oh man, racism is bad. Or did he learn to not say it out loud and to keep it to himself? Yeah. Because I think that is, that is the difference, right? There's a difference between the two. There's a huge difference. And so it's, it's hard to really legislate somebody's heart when they don't have it on display, but a lot of times what is on your heart will come out in certain type of certain types of ways. So, you know, um, and that's part of what I was writing about on that column at WRLSportsFan.com. But that's one of the things I kind of wonder about Tony D'Angelo, right? Like, mm-hmm. you know, it, it's, he's shown he's, he could be a good teammate. Uh, he's shown that, you know, other guys in the locker room, at least at Carolina, uh, we'll love him. I don't know. I haven't read it. You know, anybody at the Philadelphia uh, Flyers said about him or anything like that. But at least he's he's well liked here. That's good. But that also doesn't mean that if he's you know having a night out on Glenwood South that he can't he won't repeat that same thing to somebody else if he gets an altercation, right? And mm-hmm. so that's one of the things that kind of it makes me feel makes me feel a little bit weird, right? It makes me feel a little icky yeah. because I'm just not sure. But the same goes for somebody like a Miles Bridges, right? Who's, uh, mm. you know, who allegedly was in a, um, you know, uh, domestic incident with uh, his former girlfriend, which is why he didn't play for the Charlotte Hornets over this last season. And he's going to serve, uh, if he gets signed to a team this year, will serve 10 games of a, of a 30 game suspension that he was levied. That was levied on him by the NBA this past year because of that. And if he ends up making his way to the Charlotte Hornets, which more than likely he will, that's also going to make me feel a little bit icky, right? Yeah. Uh, just because it's like, you know, it doesn't have anything really to do with his play. But stuff like that with uh, these people who are, you know, believe, you know, whether we like it or not, are going to be uh, role models for, for our kids, mm-hmm. role models for the ones who want to grow up and play this sport. Uh, what does that message send uh, not only to the young kids, but also what does that message send to the certain parts of the population that may be impacted by things that are said or done, uh, and, and it represents things that you've gone through in your life before? Yeah, this is something that we all have to wrestle with in terms of compartmentalizing You know these types of things. You know, you know what? I watch the Canes, I watch the Hornets, I watch the Panthers because those are the teams that I follow, and and that's that's how I view it. And, you know, also it's – you know, again, where do you draw the line in terms of, for example, Miles Bridges? It's like, okay, he has this alleged incident, this domestic violence incident. Okay, at what point is he allowed back to play in the NBA? Yeah. Right. That that's the thing. It's like, who is it for us to say, like, okay, well, at this point in time, you can start playing, you know, or you can't, at, you know, after a amount of time away. A big, big example of that was Michael Vick. You know, with when he served time in federal prison. Now. It was for bookkeeping for dogfighting. Let's call it what? For dogfighting. So, okay, he's able to come back and play in the NFL. So, again, he served time in prison. Again, every fan base, every individual has to kind of draw that line for themselves about what they're willing to accept. And obviously teams are willing to do it because it happens. We're talking about examples of guys who are still playing, right? Now, I don't know where that line is. Everyone has to draw that line themselves. And something that you and I talked about, something you brought up, Chris, is that we're starting to see this with some young athletes 
in terms of social media. So, for example, Tony D'Angelo got in some hot water a couple years ago on social media because he was very interactive with fans on Twitter. Like, people would tweet at him, he'd tweet back. He would respond back to what people would say. He'd see what people post, and he would respond to, to whether it was defending teammates or whatever it might be. He was very interactive online. Uh, then a couple years ago, he decided to kind of shut things down for various other reasons, which we won't dive into. But we're starting to see some young guys like John Morant, locally the guy that we know, Zion Williamson. We're seeing their lives play out on social media right now, and this is what kind of is getting them into some hot water. Yeah, and, and before we dive into them a little bit, I want to go back a little bit to you know where sure. you draw the line. And, and, and just to answer that a little bit more, it goes back to whatever your personal triggers are. Yeah. And for, for me as, as a black man and the things that I've gone through in my life and actually going through ra- racism, being called the N-word here in the state of North Carolina multiple times, like this is not like a one-time thing. It's happened more than once. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, ha- having blatant racism happen to you being pulled over and, you know, all the things that, you know, uh, that you hear about what happens to certain people happens to me. Oh, I smell this. No, you don't. I need you to step out the car. Why? You don't have a, you know, uh, a warrant with my name on or anything like Mm -hmm. that. And then you end up going away without a ticket because there's nothing that they could find. They're literally just trying to pick at you like small things like that, that end up happening. And so for me, racism is my trigger because I've seen it. And for somebody else who's a who is a uh, victim of domestic violence, you know, that might be their trigger. That might be the reason why they don't want Miles Bridges on a team. And so that's something that uh, I guess we should at least be sensitive of when other people are talking about certain things. There's there's a reason there's a there's a tough place in their life that this stuff is coming from. There are pain points that real people have gone through. Um, as, as to why they feel the way that they feel. Yeah. As far as Tony D'Angelo is concerned, his on-the-ice play, I think, warrants him uh, time to be in the NHL. He should be an NHL player. Yeah. Um, but he might be just the only one Carolina Hurricane that I don't necessarily care for, but still want the Carolina Hurricanes to win. Yeah. Uh, you, you, you mentioned John Morant and Zion Williamson. Um, I, I think the interesting thing about those two guys is that they're young and they grow, they're growing up in this social media age. And, you know, you know th- those two, I think John Morant's going to turn 24 at the end of this summer. Yeah. Uh, Zion Williamson is about to turn 23 in, mm-hmm. in a few days. Those guys don't really know privacy. No. If you, if you really think about it, you know? No, they really don't because, yeah, I think back to, gosh, when we were, what, end of our freshman year in college is when Facebook really started to become big. But you no, had to have Facebook. A- so when Facebook was debuted, it was yeah. in our, like the beginning of our freshman year in college. Yeah, so in it was 2004. Like, yeah, 04, 05 is when when it came out, and you only it was only available to college kids. Yeah. So it was a new thing. Uh, whereas people who are 23, like you mentioned, Zion, they grew up with social media. They grew up yes. with their lives being in in the public eye. Not only just from what they did in terms of a, a, a standpoint of what they did on the court, but all that stuff's now documented. You know, in terms of, like, highlights from their games in high school because other people would film it, post it. Uh, This is just the advancements of technology and just what we see now. But, yeah, kids don't know about privacy anymore. Heck, this is not a knock on parents out there because I know you're one, Chris. But the moment a kid's born, their life is documented out there in the public on social media. Yes. The moment they're born. So they're grown. Like, kids, before they even realize it, they're already been out there for the public for the whole world to see. 
You know how it, many how much stuff? How often do you see stuff trending on on online or you know, like you know Instagram Reels or stuff on TikTok where it's like a, a parent and their child? You know the kid does something funny. That stuff lives out there forever. So their kid's life has already been documented in some way, shape, or form, whether the kid wants it or not. It's just what it is nowadays. So yeah, privacy. What is that now anymore? People don't understand what that is because people don't even know how to even draw the line for what I want to keep personal, what I actually want to put out there in the world. Because people overshare now, and there are certain yeah. levels of decorum oh, gosh, that mean you that. grew up with uh, that, you know, just kind of different from right now, right? Like, just think about so- certain things that we see on social media that might seem normal. We've, we're forgetting that this 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 behavior didn't used to be normal, right? So. No. For instance, when you've seen people go through certain things on social media um, and they'll go, they're going through things in their real life, and the first thing is to, that they think of is to pick up a phone and record themselves crying. That's not normal because typically if you were in that type of space, you pick up the phone to call somebody to have a personal conversation mm-hmm. to help you get through whatever you're, you're going through. Instead, people go to the world, and if you don't understand them, then it's shame on you. You're a part of my problem. And, and, and it almost becomes a show at that point. Like you're making yourself a part of like, you're basically making your life a fish tank. Yeah. And everybody's just taking a look inside. And then also like the, the small videos, like the get ready with me videos, right? I, I saw somebody that I follow who's a fellow journalist that I, I really look up to, like le- literally leave the world of journalism, which a lot of people are doing uh, for other reasons, that that is another uh, (laughs) topic for another day. But literally leaving the world of journalism to start making videos like that get ready with me on TikTok. And it's like... And describe what these get ready with me videos are for people that may not fully understand. So basically, if if you haven't been on TikTok or or, uh, Instagram and seen it, this is just people basically putting up uh, their phone to show their morning routines what they do for, you know, how to get dressed, how they, how they make their bed, how they do whatever to get ready for the day mm-hmm. uh, in the morning. And to me, and like it's, I was kind of thinking when this came out, in what world does anybody want to know what I am doing or what I look like when I'm waking up in the yeah. morning? Because it's really not anybody's business. But that's the thing with social media. And now we see the situation with Zion Williamson. You have Mariah Mills, who is the, the former uh, porn actress, that uh, he was messing with and she's going, she was going off on social media literally for two weeks straight because he got somebody else pregnant. Mm-hmm. And now she's gotten his name tattooed on her face. Oh, gosh. And she was oversharing about Jeez. the details of their intimate relationship. Yeah. And now we know a lot more about the personal things that Zion Williamson is into than what we really need to know. Ja Morant, the problem with him, <coughs> excuse me, going on uh, Instagram live mm-hmm. to show a gun twice. We don't need to know what you have on you. Yeah. We don't need to know that. Why do you need to share that? Show, feel like you need to share that. We're in this age of oversharing, which is very interesting. And so it's literally keeping people away from their own. So yeah, one of the big things that's a problem with that too, Chris, is the sense that you know, even for us in, in our profession, what we do, it, social media is such a, a big part of, of, of our lives because we have to continue to reach our audience in different ways. And that's where, where things can really can, can get kind of great for us. I probably post more than I want to necessarily, but I know for me, the things that I, I tend to post are oftentimes about the shoes that I wear, 
you know, way yeah. from Capital PST. I'll, I'll be showing a new, I got a new pair, Chris. I'm going to show you here in just a little bit. Um, nice. But those are the kinds of things that I like to share and I like to post because it's a common thing. Like anyone that sees me walking down the street can see what I'm wearing. So those are the kinds of things I like to share. But I'm not going to show you my latest setup of whatever. Like, no, that's that's okay. And, you know, not everyone needs to know everything about yourself. But, yeah, this is where privacy People don't know what privacy is, and people don't know also how to respect other people's privacy. And then, and so respecting other people's privacy mm-hmm. there, and that's another thing that you wish that Zion would have thought about this when yeah. inviting people in his life. And it's sad that you have to do this nowadays, but you have to. If you're anybody with uh, a, a public name like mm-hmm. this, even on a smaller level like us, Dennis, right? Yeah. If there's if you're going to invite an outsider to to be a part of your life in some type of way and they have more to gain than what you do from the particular relationship, then you need to have an NDA mm-hmm. there. And I know it sucks, right? Like yeah. if if you let's say Dennis, you get married. You and your girlfriend decide to get married. Okay. You guys have a kid. And you're you're still here 999 the fan. You've blown up. People love you. They love listening to you all the time, all that good stuff. Yeah. And you hire a nanny to watch your kid while you're at work and while your wife is at work. Mm-hmm. You're probably going to have to ask that nanny to sign an NDA. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. even on a smaller level, because you're going to have somebody in your house who's going to have a, a, a phone who could probably talk about intimate details about you and it's not it's not even while you're around it's just because they're inside of your personal space and and that is the thing that kids have to start thinking about now because they don't know what privacy is they may not even know to protect their privacy from other people by simply having them sign the sheet of paper saying you can't say anything about me publicly and that's something that i think zion definitely needs to take seriously oh yeah a lot of athletes definitely need to do that this is where we talk about earlier in terms of Leadership in your locker room and stability in your locker room. This is where I, I kind of tie things in here with Jordan Stahl coming back uh, for the Carolina Hurricanes. Again, for those who may not know, yesterday it was announced that Jordan Stahl, the captain of the Carolina Hurricanes, the center, signed a four-year contract extension with the Canes. The average annual value, $2.9 million a year um, is what he's going to make. So the total value of the contract, $11.6 million. And this is where I say the value of Jordan Stahl doesn't necessarily come from the stats that he puts up on the ice in terms of his face-off wins, the ice time that he gets in terms of penalty kills, uh, how he matches up against another team's, you know, one of their top four or top centers. It's what he provides in terms of the culture of the team in that locker room. Because we always hear about the Carolina Hurricanes and the culture that they have. And obviously that starts with the head coach, Rob Brennamore. But who's that second in command? I know there's the assistant coach and things like that, but when it comes to directly to the players on the ice, who's that second in command? It's your captain. And this is where someone like Jordan Stahl, really you can't quantify in terms of the value that he brings to a franchise in the sense that if there are young guys that might be putting too much stuff out there, well, who's he, who do you think is going to help keep that under control? It's going to be the captain. It's going to be Jordan yeah. Stahl to make sure that everyone's yeah. on their P's and Q's and it's not putting much stuff out there, or at least not putting inappropriate things out there, or make sure inappropriate things don't get out. So this is where, again, leadership uh, ties into the, uh, these kinds of things. I remember you and Paul mentioned last week on Friday a guy like Udonis Haslam and what he brings to the, the Miami Heat organization. But Udonis Haslam was the starter when they went to four straight NBA finals, and they won two of them back when it was LeBron, D. Wade, Ray Allen, Chris Bosh. 
Udonis Haslam was a starter on that team at center. He doesn't play hardly anymore now, but his value is what he does off the court. And that's, again, having your young players surrounded by those veterans to teach them how to be a professional, both on and off the, the floor, the ice, the court, whatever it is, that stuff you can't really quantify. And, and that's one of the genius things about Miami. We've talked about the Miami Heat mm-hmm. culture and all that stuff uh, lately because the Miami Heat's run in the playoffs uh, for the NBA. That's why it's so unique because you have somebody like that. In, mm-hmm. in the NBA, it's a little bit harder to take somebody like a Zion Williamson, like a John Morant, and, and put them with a, a, uh, a veteran that's going to tell them, hey, you need to calm down. You need to chill. It's easier in the NFL, right? It's easier in uh, the NHL because you have more team-oriented, team-based games um, where uh, you also – it's going to take you a little bit, a little while to really get paid. Yeah. Zion Williamson comes into the NBA as one of the top stars. It doesn't matter what his number one overall draft pick uh, contract says, how much he's going to get paid. He's also got all these endorsement deals that's mm-hmm. coming in. He's rolling, rolling, rolling in money. And what can you really tell somebody who's 19 years old? The world wants them. You could have been in an NBA for nine years, but traveling throughout uh, the NBA with on a bunch of teams, not really having a bunch of success. Does Zion Williamson really look up to you as his veteran that he can really like listen to that's going to really show him how to be a professional yeah and and that's that's the hard part about the nba and so the good setup that you just talked about right there with somebody like a jordan stall the setup in nhl a little bit different you come to the carolina hurricanes you talk to jordan stall first yeah that is the guy that you have to go through and if he doesn't like what you're doing you're going to have to answer to him before it even gets to the head coach and then he's going to go to the head coach oh yeah and he's going to back up jordan stall the the level of accountability in a locker room it just it goes a long way and it's stuff that we don't necessarily see uh even for people that cover the team it's not something that we necessarily see because those are pros closed private conversations uh, for example, we look at the veteran leadership of what Brent Burns did with Seth Jarvis. Seth Jarvis having you know just his second year in the NHL. Brent Burns, who's 38 years old, was in the league almost when uh, when Seth Jarvis was still in diapers, just about. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So I mean, but we talked to Seth Jarvis after the season ended, and he talked about, yeah, Brent Burns was that basically that that father figure that that almost you know for the father figure, older brother, were off the ice. Brent Burns took care of him in terms of showing him how to be a professional, having a home life that he can have because Seth Jarvis said, he's like, I haven't really lived at home since he was 15 years old because playing in juniors, constantly traveling, whatever it is. But having those veterans showing young guys how to do things properly. And that guy like Jordan Stahl, that stuff trickles down to Jacob Slavin, who is early in his career. Now we see what he brings to the organization in terms of not only just his play on the ice, but – He's going to be that next veteran guy when 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 uh, Jordan Stahl finally retires. It's going to be Slavin and Aho and some of these other veterans that learned from him that where that all trickles down to. So, yeah, having that, that stability in the organization is a massive, massive thing.